Hey, welcome everybody. Nitsan Mosri, the traveling investor, with another awesome show of the Traveling Investor Show. And you know, we, we are born into our families and we're born into our society and we're born into our parents' financial reality. But what most people don't understand is that just because we're born into a specific family or socioeconomic world, it doesn't mean that's where we have to end up. Being poor isn't your fault. Being born poor isn't your fault. Dying poor is. And a majority of people live life by default. They accept the cards that they're dealt and offer no resistance to mediocrity. Here on the Traveling Investor Show, we talk about how to live life on your terms and create the life, finances, and relationships that, you can, that you've been dreaming of your entire life. Join me, Nitsan Mosri, your host, every week on the live Traveling Investor Show, where we demystify the art of mastering your mind, body, and wallet so that you can go and live the life of your dreams. I'm Nitsan Mosri, the host. Welcome to another edition. And this week, I've got a great, great guest. And, you know, we talk about building different streams of income, building funnels, talking to your network, building your network so that you can go out and really scale your business. You know, in the Traveling Investor Show, we talk about how to create a business that will revolve around your lifestyle. And the gentleman that I have today, and he uh, he came up just before we were talking on uh, offline, he calls himself a digital nomad. And I like that. I like that term because a lot of us today are digital nomads. It doesn't matter if you're 15 years old or 75 years old. If you're able to tap into technology, if you're if you have one of these, if you have a laptop, you too can become a digital nomad. You can live life on your terms. The only thing is you got to figure out what your terms are and then create the company and the business that will revolve around that lifestyle. So let me introduce to you our guest today. His name is Perry Zhang. He's the founder and CEO of Cashflow Portal. He's a real, it's a real estate syndication software and a real estate investor portal, which, was, which he founded in April 2020, not too long ago. The portal has reached an MRR of 10K in just six months without any paid advertising. So he actually knows how to go out and build a business, build a software, and then market it to people without paying a dime in marketing and attract the right people to him so that he could have an MRR of $10,000, right, in just six months, which is fantastic. Perry started real estate syndication over three years ago, and today he has more than 2,000 units. He's raised over $20 million and is a lead syndicator on two deals totaling 830 units. He's actually currently coming to us live from New York where he's meeting with some of his angel investors and friends. And we'll talk about that more in a second. But before starting uh, to work on Cashflow Portal full-time, Perry was an engineer manager at Lyft. And he also worked at Twitter and Amazon before that. So Perry is the perfect guy for us to talk to because he's had that J-O-B. And it was probably a well-paying job. We'll find out from Perry in a minute. But he went into that world in, as an engineer. And then he decided to transition into real estate. And he created Cashflow Portal. So do me a favor. Grab a pen. Grab some paper. Sit down. Turn off your phones. 
and listen and take notes. Thank you, Haggai. And take notes to what Perry has to say about building a lifestyle and building passive income and raising millions and millions of dollars, exactly what you want to do in your business. So with further ado, let's bring on Perry Zhang. Hey, Perry. Hi, Nissan. Thanks for having me here. Absolutely. Thank you. I want to I wanna thank you. I know you're super busy. You're in New York City. You're meeting with angel investors and friends, and, and you're really living the lifestyle that I promote on my show. And, and I want to thank you for being here. And, and also, um, uh, Master Yoda wants to thank you as well <laughs> for, for spending time. <laughs> so, so tell us, you know, you, you worked for Twitter and for Lyft and Amazon before that. How did, what, was you, what were you like when you were a kid thinking, you know, what, did I want to be an engineer? Did you kind of fall into it? Share with the audience and, and our listeners about who you were back then and, and the transition that made you jump into a cash flow portal. Yeah. As a kid, I was definitely not an entrepreneur. My parents were not necessarily entrepreneurs. I do know I did well in, in, as a kid, like throughout elementary, high school, middle school, I was number one in my class. So I was that academically smart kid, uh, voted like most likely to succeed or whatnot. Um, and I kind of carried that kind of micro positive reinforcement into my adulthood by working in, you know, good. Uh, university, uh, good companies and whatnot. Um, and so I graduated and went on to become a software engineer. And that's, I spent probably five to 10 years of my life uh, in the tech world uh, as a software engineer and then an engineer manager. But I do remember that even as a kid, I tell my parents that I want to do something awesome. I want to create things. I want to be an entrepreneur. And so I finally uh, went out and did it uh, about a year and a half ago. That's fantastic. It's amazing how you were, you know, you were you were scholastically inclined, but yet you had the idea that you wanted to be an entrepreneur. Did you know what what type of entrepreneur or what field you wanted to go into? Yeah. So that might be a small lesson for the listeners um, that a lot of time people look back at the successful entrepreneurs and say, yeah, they must be successful because they started their lemonade stand when they were like 10 or eight. Um, I will say that's not always the case. Uh, you don't have to have certain things when you were a kid in order to demonstrate that you can be successful in the future. You can rewrite your life's history, right? Um, so for me, I think it comes down to a couple of things. One is I like control. Uh, I, I will be more than happy to make um, X amount be and working in my own terms than working for someone else and gets paid maybe 5X or 10X more. Um, that is just my uh, uh, internal drive that aligns things the way I want them to be uh, instead of following my boss's orders, for example. And so that ability of freedom to control what I do is is very important. And uh, honestly, when I was a uh, employee, I was very scared to uh, to go out and strike out on my own. Now that I have quit for about two months now, uh, we uh, I uh, I wonder why I was so scared. There is this amazing sense of freedom that you can do whatever you want, whenever you want. I can line up two p.m. for a ramen shop, and the line is not very long because uh, I don't have meetings that I apply to go to, 
I made my own schedule. That's beautiful. You know, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do entrepreneurs say? I would rather work 80 hours a week than work 40. <laughs> yes, I'm probably working 80 hours a week, but it oh, absolutely. feel like work. <laughs> absolutely. When, you know, and, and, and it's such a cliche or, or a kitschy statement, right? When, when we hear it, you know, I kind of cringe, but it's true. They say, when you love what you do, it's not work. It's work. We just love what we do. Right. So we do it emphatically. We do it with a passion. We do it with desire. We do it with the idea that, you know what, we're also going to help other people along the way. It's not just for us. Right. And, uh, and, 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 you know, my daughters, for example, you know, they see me, I come home from work, I have my office here and then I go home and we have dinner and we spend some time together. And then I go on my phone or on my laptop and they're like, what are you doing? I said, I'm working like again. <laughs> I, I said, well, it's better than me sitting and watching TV or watch staring at the four walls. And, you know, now I have teenage girls, so they're off doing their thing. Mm -hmm. Right. My wife is designing our house for us. So she's building. She's busy doing that. I said, what am I going to do? Let's work. And you work and you work. And next thing I know, it's one, two o'clock in the morning. And my wife comes out and she goes, are you still working? I'm still mm. working. I got to do this. I got, you know, it's, it's, it's a love. It's a it's something that 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 feeds us. Right. Yeah. I have a I have a lot of similar stories to that. Um, uh, do you mind if I tell a quick story? Oh, please, please. Yeah. So I was hanging out with two friends, um, grabbing hapa, and uh, one of the friends I just met recently, and they are they are insisting asking for sesame sauce uh, from the waitress, um, and three times later, uh, finally, uh, we decided that that uh, they don't have sesame sauce or whatnot. Um, but what I observed was that this person is very persistent and yet polite. Uh, they also were very persistent and did a lot of stuff in college. And then finally, they were looking for a job. And then they also, um, uh, just the little things they mentioned, they have a separate Gmail account that they use to sign up for different shopping websites to get coupons and discounts and whatnot. And um, a week later, um, they become our account executive. Now, I was just hanging out with my friends. Was I thinking about work? Was that considered work? I have no idea, but that's all I think about. And so, you know, I need an account executive. I need to find someone who is persistent and polite, who knows how to work around technology. And the fact that she had, like, they have an account with different shopping uh, websites means that she, they're very good with figuring things out. And that, um, I want our account executives to be quote unquote aggressive yet polite. Um, so, you know, uh, these are the attributes I want. And now thinking back, was I working all the time? Probably because I'm always trying to mix work and reality uh, as I go through life. That's that's a that's a great concept. And I and and travelers, you're listening to this uh, either now live or on the podcast on a replay. I want you to take away what Perry just said, because he just dropped a huge nugget on us. OK, some some super incredible information. He was out with his friends every day. He, his work and his life, he wants it to be combined. But what, what I what I picked up was that as an owner of the company, the CEO and the owner, 
you know exactly what positions you need to fill. But on top of that, you've dialed into every single position and figured out what traits you want this person to have and what qualifications. You didn't just say, I need an account executive. And then somebody with the title of account executive shows up. You go, okay. You actually know exactly what the traits are so that when you're in your day-to-day, when you're hanging out with your friends, you're combining life and work together because this is who we are. We, yeah. You cannot separate our life from our work because it is who we are. So now you're sitting and you have all of this broken down in your subconscious mind and in your forward thinking mind and your analytical mind and you're, it's there, but you know exactly. And I'm sure with every other position in your company, you have those traits yeah. lined up and, 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 and pinpointed so that you know exactly. So there's no questions. Is this the right person? Could this person fit? And, and, and it does a couple of things, you know, in the show, we also talk about, you know, thoughts are things you can manifest the things that you focus on and what you focus on expands. So when you're creating these positions, these avatars, for example, and you're extremely specific with the qualities and the traits and the skill sets that you want, and you focus on this, the only thing that can happen is that the universe brings these people in front of you and opens your eyes to them. Yeah. So you're doing, you're doing a, you're doing an incredible job here of really um, identifying what you want, focusing on it, having fun with your social life and combining it all together. And, and, and obviously it's working. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. That's great. So, all right. So you, you became an engineer, you started working with these companies. You obviously liked it, right? You enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. What happened then? What made you think of cash flow portal were you investing in real estate while you were an engineer or was that something that you did after you created a uh, cash flow portal it's a great question um i do think that my career trajectory is a natural progression it is not a uh, almost like a step function so when i was a software engineer i bought my first condo in the bay area uh, and i house hacked that property uh, by living in the room and then renting out the other two rooms. Um, a year later, I bought my another house hacking property in Seattle, Washington, where I moved back to Seattle. And that's a five bedroom, live in one of the rooms and, and rent out the other four. And I saw that this is not that hard. And I kept buying single families every nine months or so. So with two or three years, I committed about four or five properties. And then we, uh, my business partner and I bought a seven-unit apartment complex in Tacoma. Then after that, we bought a 172-unit apartment complex in Dallas, and that is the first real estate syndication. After that, we bought a 408-unit, and then after that, we bought a 236-unit, all as a lease sponsors. Um, as I was doing this, I started seeing there's a lot of pain points with managing investors. So... I came from a software background. I thought to myself, this is not that hard to create a portal that can manage your investors. And I think I can do it better. Now, that's just a dream. Between that dream to the reality is like a month, a year and a half of hard work. Uh, so it's a natural progression. Single family, house hacking, multi small multifamily, large multifamily, creating the software that can help multifamily sponsors. That's uh, that's fantastic. And, and so... Tell us more about this software. What does it do? How does it help investors? Because um, I know a lot of people listening to the show, you know, especially when they're starting out, 
right? Everybody's, I, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to raise capital. I'm going to talk to my investors. I'm going to build a broker relations. I'm going to underwrite, analyze, manage, asset manage, it, you know, everything. I can do everything. I'm going to do everything. And, you know, now talking to you, obviously, we're learning that we can build a team. We can delegate. We can create exact identities of the people that we need in these specific positions. But now you've also created a software. So explain to us exactly as a, a newbie syndicator or as a savvy investor that's been in this for many years, what is it that cash flow portal can do for us and, and help us grow and, and like you said, you know, raise capital and so forth? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, real cash flow portal is a real estate syndication software that helps you streamline equity raising all the way to the back office and truly gives you financial freedom because it saves you time and money. Um, to give an example, on our first deal, we raised $4.3 million from 70 investors. That means there are 70 DocuSigns that we send out. They sign it, they send it back. We open up the DocuSign, find out the investment amount, put it in a spreadsheet. Then we countersign it, we send it back. We send them an email with wire instructions. They send the wire. We check the bank every day to make sure that the wire has received. And then we send out another email notifying the receipt of the wire. Doing that for 70 investors, it's just, I'm like, I'm done. I don't want right. to do this. And so the software <laughs> helps you automate that whole process. In the software, it's one click to send a, 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 a wire instruction. It's one click to say the wire has been received. Preparing the documents is actually the most consuming time. You have legal documents and investors are investing through different profiles. We have the unique ability to do it for one profile and then copy all the signature fields into the other profiles. So uh, people spend one fourth as much time on this portal compared to the competitors, for example. So all the little things that I know um, that technology can solve I try to incorporate that into the technology. That's awesome. I, I, I can tell you as well from, from raising capital that it is a very time intensive uh, pain in the ass thing that we have to do. Right. And you want to do it well, because that's kind of the back office. That's the customer service that you're supplying to your investors. That's going to make them come back and reinvest, you know, um, I think that is one of the that outside of having a successful real estate deal, that is the second most important thing that you can do in your business. And, you know, excuse my language, but if you fuck that up, yep. you kind of screw everything else up. People wouldn't want to invest with you anymore. I got my distributions late. They were wrong. The financials came in late. The K1s. When is this kind of right? All these questions and and and. But on the flip side, when you show them that you are very systematized, that you have a process, that you're working with software, you're professional. Yeah. You're not you're not some amateur doing this in the evening. Absolutely. Yeah, no, syndication is a you know still a new industry, in my opinion. Um, at the, the level that's uh, the, the level in which it's accessible now. So there are a lot of new syndicators and you know, people still do it the old-fashioned way, email and whatnot. But having a portal makes you look professional, makes you look modern. And these syndicators or sponsors could be the best sponsors in the world. They're just not very, you know, modern-day tech-savvy, right? And our goal is to uh, make them look professional. 
uh, take care of the technology aspects of it. And every subscription nowadays is through technology. Nobody is printing out like facts and then fax them over at this point, right? Mm -hmm. So um, that's my goal. And I think I have the unique combination of experiences between technology and syndication. Yeah, it's great. I'm actually looking at your uh, website right now. Uh, and it says here, we've already helped many real estate syndicators raise a hundred plus million dollars using cash flow portal. That is fantastic. Now, when you say you've helped them raise capital by using your software, uh, they were able to streamline the capital raising through their network, right? That's correct. That's correct. Yeah, that's now, correct. Um, uh, Tell us more about the software. So we can upload documents, send mm -hmm. out emails. Um, what other items do you have there that can actually help us raise capital, right? Because in, 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 as you know, in the real estate world, yeah. there are two things for you to be successful. You need deal flow and yeah. you need capital, Yeah. yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So explain how your system can help raise capital for people that are listening today. Absolutely. So, um, by the way, these are questions are all very good and very unique. So, um, and we, we didn't prepare uh, necessarily for these specific questions. So <laughs> just the listener note, these are very I, I, I hope questions. I'm not putting you on the spot. And if no, there's something absolutely. that you want to, you know, we can move on and talk and to, but you know. we have good answers for them. <laughs> so, uh, awesome. so, um, so uh, we talked about the ability to streamline equity raising, uh, but for upcoming sponsors, you are more interested on how do I know how much money I can raise? How do I ever know that without doing it? And how do I tell the lead sponsor that I can raise a million dollars or 1.5, right? You need to have some kind of expected value. We have, uh, and nowadays, if you want to be an upcoming sponsor, uh, almost everyone started by creating a website. Uh, everyone say, this is what I do. This is my professional record. And these are the deals I probably passively invested in. This is how you contact me. Here is my uh, a, a menu. You can put down your number here and that will be synced to my CRM and then we'll like follow up with emails. We have the feature that allows you to create a website directly from the portal. It's like a LinkedIn biography that has your track record, you, that has your, uh, your how many deals you have passive invested in. If you are a sponsor, it will show all the, uh, the, the, um, the photos, when you close, how many units, what's the type of that property, and you can just send that link to your investors. Um, I don't know in this year I, if I could share my screen, but if not, I just kind of like you can sign up for free to check out their biography. And, um, and the idea is that you can send that link to anyone you know. Or we will also put you as an, in the spotlight so that new customers coming in, not the existing ones, new customers coming in will see a list of sponsors. And if they found your background interesting, they will connect with you. And now there are three pros of using an ecosystem versus having your own website. The first pro is those people may already have an account. So it's a click. They don't have to type in their first name, last name, email address again. You probably also know more information about them, such as their net worth, should they want to share that because it's all just part of their profile. So it's much easier to click that one click than like typing your name all over again, right? The second one is... Um, you will directly have their email address and they are part of your investor database and you can reach out to them to establish the subsidiary. That's up to the sponsor. The third thing, which is the most important thing, is nowadays everyone has a website. Everyone is talking good about themselves, but there's only so much you can say about yourself without external validation. 
it means so much more when another a cre credible sponsor says that you are good than you saying you are good, right? So there's a lot of social element to it. And so what we're trying to build is like the IMDB or the Airbnb of real estate syndication. Uh, there are other tools that help you create that marketing campaign on Facebook. But if you're just starting out, why would you spend that much time create your entire marketing funnel? Uh, we are lowering the barrier of entry for sponsors. So we already have the ecosystem. Now, if you are very established, of course, you should continue to have your own website, your lead gen generation, but you can use Casual Portal as an additional source of leads. Wow, that's amazing. That is amazing. This is a great platform for beginners and people who are already in the business to come together. Uh, I, I think, uh, I mean, obviously you have a, a, a gem, a goal, you know, a, a, a beautiful product here. You know, you, you hit a great milestone with your income within six months without having to pay for any advertising. And I'm sure that's just word of mouth. Yep. So, you know, you know that if it's growing that fast through word of mouth, the service, the product, is exceptional and you know i'm, I'm probably gonna want to sign up for a demo to see how it's yeah. used myself um you know this is this is why i have my radio show so that i can introduce incredible people like yourself with great products to help us increase our bottom line so that we can become digital nomads and live life on our terms isn't that awesome yep mm -hmm. right absolutely that's fantastic. So, all right. So we talked about cash flow portal and, and travelers, anybody listening out there, I highly suggest you go and it's cashflowportal.com. Check it out. Um, you know, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to check on it. I'm going to, I'm probably going to implement it because it's, mm -hmm. it's everything that I've been looking for and wanted in one place. Yep. Right. Being able to have all my documents, making sure that the uh, wires got in. Then this other part for the raising capital with the sponsors and the net worth and all that. Wow. Fantastic. Fantastic. I'm, I'm excited. Awesome. All right. Let's talk now about how you actually went and started raising capital, because, you know, a lot of people out there, as you know, they get involved in this business and they're like, listen, I, I don't have a million dollars. I don't have half a million dollars. I don't even have $4 million, $4 million, right? I remember when I was a kid, right? And you can probably look out the window right now, you know, walking down the streets of Manhattan and you're looking at, up at all these massive buildings. And I was always going, asking myself, who in God's name has so much money that they can buy all these buildings by themselves? Then I learned about syndication, right? Having other people pay and invest and then we can make the profits and give them a great return for their money but how does one get started you know that's been that's a big a big rock that people have to move and, and many people fall out of the syndication world because they fail at raising capital because no one shows them there's no secret sauce there's no one word to say that can make somebody give you their money. So what has worked for you? How did you start and what worked for you so that you're able to go out and acquire 2000 units in three years? That is incredible. Yeah, good question. So there is the personal aspect of it. And then there's the aspirational. Um, my journey is probably different from most people. So I will explain kind of my personal journey. Uh, but to get back to kind of what I said previously, uh, that's why we create cash flow portal because I know raising money is going to be always a pain point. And how do you get started? How, how do you validate people? 
you know why would anyone go to someone else's house to go for vacation it's because of airbnb they use reviews they use a ecosystem to make you feel less uh, a lot more safe right. going to people's places but let me kind of explain how i got started uh, my personal philosophy is that uh, people invest in the sponsor and not the deal. They usually don't even know what is real estate syndication until you bring it up. And they invest in that person's competency, uh, passion, and just integrity. Uh, those are the three key factors. So whatever you do when you talk to other people, um, reflect competency, reputation, and uh, and your integrity. Okay. Um, so... What that means is you don't have to be a good public speaker. You don't have to be that charismatic. You don't actually want to be that party goer that just always knows how to talk to people. That at the end actually is not necessary. What you do need is you say you do what you say you will do. If you tell people that I'm going to refer you to X, Y, Z, do that within two days. Like Don't just be like, say that, and then a month later, they don't hear from you. You're not gonna get them to invest ever. Uh, just that—that's just how you become a competent professional. Period. Now I got lucky because when I was at Lyft, um, I was a good employee, and so and I became an engineer manager. So people knew that I can execute, and I—they also knew that on my while I ha was having a full-time job, I ended up buying a bunch of single families. They also knew that we were looking into multifamily and we struggled for six to nine months before we got their first property. So mm -hmm. during those six months, when I got dinner or coffee with them, they said, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm looking at multifamily. They're like, you still don't have a deal yet? Yeah, I'm like, it's really actually difficult. I'm like learning so much. <laughs> and they say, if you find one, I want to invest. Like that's how the conversation went. They saw this natural progression that you are improving it's not like one day you show up you have a deal that people just got scared like who are you like did you join a ponzi scheme or whatnot right mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. yeah. so like show how much you are actually worth to your investors i will also tell you what i don't do is what i don't do is i don't send out monthly emails say hey we're doing this check us out here's a youtube video like people just don't care um so uh, focus on competency. Uh, that's way more important than flashy marketing. But that's just my personal kind of philosophy. Now, I also have some tailwinds that I got lucky uh, in the sense that I work at a pre-IPO company and a company went IPO. So all my coworkers know that I'm a good employee. They also have quite a bit of money. Um, and my previous employees uh, um, and my friends all work at Facebook and Google. Um, so yeah, I am very lucky that I am in a high-tech ecosystem. What I will also tell some of the listeners is that those high net worth people have the opposite problem, is that they have so much money and they don't know what to do with it. They crave for someone who can take good care of their money. It's really hard to wrap your head about like what that means, but they have so much money. Um, it, uh, it's like the opposite problem. So... Um, and what you shouldn't do is just like go directly for the money. What you should do is prove that you are actually a good, competent person. That's awesome, my man. That was um, that was a lot of information. And again, listeners, travelers, you listening out there, I hope you're writing this down because I was taking notes. I was taking notes. Competency, reputation, integrity prove your competency to people um 
And what I also heard that you were saying, Perry, is that you were building relationships with people, even the ones that you already knew. You were strengthening those relationships. You were showing them the, the path that you're on. And what I also saw that you didn't do was that you were shoving deals down people's throats. Mm, yeah. Right? How many times we go to a networking event and somebody comes up to you and says, hey, man, I got a great deal. You have no idea who they are, where they came from, but they've got the deal of a lifetime. <laughs> they usually walk away with no money. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And, 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 and another thing I heard that you don't do is you don't ask. You didn't ask for money. You were just out there showing the progression. Like you said, you, you know, your, your, your network saw that you were competent in, in, in the work that you were doing. It didn't have to be even in real estate yeah. because it, it kind of flows from one place to another, right? If you're, you know, my business partner has a great saying. She goes, how somebody does one thing is how they do everything. That's right. Right. So you can find someone. You know, it could be a bartender. It could be the guy that picks up your garbage or the woman that picks up your garbage. If they're doing a job and they're and they hold themselves to a higher level of integrity, of competency, they will do their job in such a way that you will notice it. It'll yeah. be it'll set themselves apart from everybody else. Right. Yeah. So so travelers, when you're listening and you're going, yeah, that's great. But, you know. I don't have real estate experience. It's okay. You don't need to have that real estate experience. You have to have the integrity, the competency, um, the reputation for being the kind of person that's going to take care of your clients, your investors, your project, whatever it is. And like Perry said, that's what people go for. And, I'm a, and I agree with you 100%. When I talk with my one-on-one with my -on clients and my group coaching clients, and they always ask me, how do you raise money? How do you raise money? I say, I don't know. I've never raised money before. I go out and I build relationships with people. I go and I talk to people. I find out who they are, what they like, what they love, what their fears are. And, and we talk about life. And, and then if they ask me what I do, I'll tell them what I do, but I will not push it down their throats. Yeah. Yeah. Same. Exactly. Like I'm in New York talking to angel investors. Every single one of my dinner, I do not even bring out how much you're going to invest or if you're going to invest. And every single time they invest. But it's always the undercurrent anyway. So they just want to know, like, how you're thinking about things. What's your plan? And then we raised, you know, $3.5 million for the startup. Like, I never brought up, like, how much you're going to invest. They brought it up. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not like I'm doing it in a hypercritical, hypocritical way either. It's just that um, if they have a question, I answer that question. But I'm not. Um, you could also argue, maybe I'm a terrible salesperson. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, raising $20 million and acquiring 2,000 units in three years using other people's money, I wouldn't call that a bad salesperson. I would say you've got, I, I would say you've got the recipe just right, yeah. you know, uh, and, but, but that's how it is. You know, I, 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 I cannot stress enough. To people that are listening, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're involved in real estate or you've been involved in other industries and you've never raised a dime or you're still or you've raised millions of dollars. This is the way to do it. It's by building relationships. Right. Yeah. And I agree with you 100 percent of what you said, that people really don't care about the property. They're not looking at the property. They're looking at you. 
They're looking at the lead person, people, group, whatever it is. What's their integrity? What have they done in the past? You know, did they, you know, and, and, and we all know that shit happens and shit goes sideways. And sometimes you lose money. Sometimes you make money. It's, it's, it's a, it's a risk, but you know, what has the sponsor done to mitigate that loss for the investors? What have they done? How many, how many deals have they gone full circle and paid back their investors and given returns? This is what you want to look for, you know? And, and it's funny say that you go out with your with your investors and whatnot so i i many many years ago i was in a uh networking and we went out for lunch and there was this one guy who was tooting his own horn and oh i've got millions and millions and i don't want to partner with people and so we you know we talked for the day and we said let's let's go have uh, lunch together so we went out for lunch and be what it was the mm-hmm. restaurant was short-staffed the cook didn't come in the waitress was sick but they were there with two people and Everything was backed up. The waitress came and kept apologizing and apologizing. But this guy was incredibly rude and obnoxious to the staff and to the people. Now, it wasn't their fault. They were doing the best they can. But he was obnoxious. He actually made the uh, either the waitress or the hostess go in the back and cry. Oh. Terrible. So at that point, I knew this was not the type of person I want to deal with. I want to have in my business. I want to reflect on myself. So, you know, you really and and what I love about what we do and correct me if I'm wrong, is that we also get to pick and choose who we get to work with. Mm -hmm. Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. We we get to choose which investors uh, join our our investment, our opportunity. Now I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sure I can hear a lot of our uh, newbie listeners going, "Are you kidding me? If somebody wants to invest in my deal, I'll bring them all in." Right? <laughs> <laughs> we, we we've all had those thoughts in the beginning. Yep. Yep. Right. How how do you combat those thoughts? How would how how have you gone past that and and kind of said, "No, I'm only going to pick certain people." What what was it inside of you that was able to do that? I think a lot of it is supply and demand. Um, if you have investors that ask you, and that happens a lot, uh, not a lot, like sometimes they will ask you borrow an hour or two hours of your time. They ask for underwriting spreadsheet and they will ask you a, pun- a bunch of questions in the question format or call you. And then two or three, five hours later, they say they will pick this one thing. They're like, oh, it's in a location that I'm not comfortable with. Well, Maybe you should have said that a long time ago. Um, so, um, and what I told myself is, it's a good thing. If if I can filter out this sponsor in two hours, that will save me hundreds of hours of headache down the road, right? Because they're going to be the saying the same thing in a few, um, few years or a few months into it. And so I count myself lucky that we didn't have those investors. Um, yeah, yeah. So, and the other thing I do also want to say is, reputation travels um how you treat waiters how you trade treat uh professionals and vendors matters a lot and it's kind of hard to say this but now i am a vendor we are the software of choice for a lot of the sponsors right now in our mentorship group or outside of it and how they treat me matters even though you know i'm obliged not to say anything about what's happening within the company or not but if they ask me to be a co-sponsor on their deal i'm just like no because i see how you treat um your vendors right like some people if they have a meeting they don't show up to the meeting without sending a note um you know that's bad if they 
if they are delayed, that's fine. If you if you actually sincerely apologizing for it, that's okay. That's forgivable, right? Like you may not be the most competent, yes, but you're forgivable. But if you just like don't show up, it's like what what just happened? Yeah, so don't <laughs> do that. Um, how you treat people, um, as as one progresses more in life, I really believe that I have lower tolerance of low competency. Mm-hmm. Um, if someone doesn't work, a contractor, a vendor, mm-hmm. or whatnot, it's like. Uh, it's not that like I fired them. I just okay, that's it. I just want to deal with people who are just smart. Yeah. I, I I agree. As as we progress in life, as we get older, we don't tolerate the the intolerable. You know, we put out. You know, and I can tell already that you know we, we we're, we're very similar. So we put out an air of excellence. We we yeah. we we give excellence, and we we expect excellence back. And, and, and like you said, you know, sometimes things happen, you know, a phone call goes a little bit over, over time or, you know, traffic or, you know, family, it happens Mm -hmm. in today's world. There should be no reason why you cannot reach out and connect with someone in five seconds and say, I'm sorry, I have to cancel. I'm sorry. I have to do it all goes back to exactly what you were saying. If this is how we're treating one person, imagine what happens if I'm going to invest my money with this person and I have a question, how are they going to treat me? Yeah, yeah. Right? That's right. It, it, it all goes back to that. And, and you know, it doesn't matter if it's real estate or whatnot. We as entrepreneurs have to lead by example. Yeah. yeah. Right? We have to be the example. And I have a couple examples for, for uh, to show. So um, we had a customer phone call with someone who you know was using other uh, competitors, and they came. They set up a thirty minute call, and then thirty minutes into it, they were just like blown away of like I did not expect that I have my entire offering and subscription documents ready in those thirty minutes. They're just like I don't know how you did it, but that's not the type of um, it's way beyond what they expected. Mm-hmm. If there were a question, um, we the, the company's philosophy is to take care of the customer, the team, and then our company's investors in that order. Like that's just the company philosophy. So if it's working hours, uh, I'm not talking about like after midnight, but if it's working hours, the expectation is that we give an acknowledgement to the to the customers within 10 minutes. We have a dedicated WhatsApp group for all our customers, right? That's the expectation. Uh, if it's easy to answer, just answer it. If it's not easy, at least acknowledge that you got the uh, thing and you are working on a solution. And some of these customers end up investing in the company because they were just completely blown away on, wow, I didn't know that's what's expected from a company. Now, do I do it to impress uh, customers? Uh, not probably not. Uh, we're doing it because that's how I wanted to be treated because the best real estate agents that I work with, when I ask them a question, say, hey, can you do X, Y, Z? Can you send me the title documents? What he did is he stopped on the highway on the side, stop, park his car, forward me that email, and then start driving again. I said, dude, you do not have to do that. But it goes it goes to show that like good customer service and just good excellence. I'm I mean he's gonna be my agent for life at this point because that's the way he treats the clients. And Absolutely. I've been referring so many people to him. 
And it's also the reason that people have been referring so many customers to us. Um, like, um, yeah, last, last couple of weeks has just been really crazy. So a um, lot of new customers. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. And and I agree with you 100%. It's it's customer service. It doesn't matter what we do. It's about customer service. Servicing your client because we spend we spend so much time and energy and even money bringing these people to us, getting them convinced that we're the best that that they want to come in and, and join our team. And if it's in if it's the the portal or if it's investing or if it's uh, uh, hiring them as an employee or bringing them on as a partner, what's the point of of spending all that time and effort and money if we're not going to treat them well? Yeah, you know, I want to bring in one person and treat them well and have them bring in all their friends and family. That's right. So I spend money bringing, or, or in your case, you didn't spend any money advertising. You That's just right. went out and did it, word of mouth, customer service. You built that, and 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 I love your company philosophy. It's fantastic, and I'm sure you've got a vision statement and a mission statement for your company that everybody that works in your company goes out and and follows. Now let me ask you this: um, When you started Cashflow Portal. Um, this may be a strange question to ask, but you know you can tell me if you want to answer it or not. Um, did you have any money to start that company? And the reason why I'm asking is because did you hire employees? Did you start off with um, with uh, uh, f uh, freelancers or with people that were just coming in and, and giving time for a little bit of equity? That's kind of the question that I'm asking. Um, so um, I was an engineer manager. So that's April of 2020, start of the pandemic. I was I I have a couple choices. One is I could quit my job and code it myself. Uh, option two is to build a team and then build the product. I chose the latter, and I was basically moonlighting. I was still at Live and told Live that I was working on this, and they approve it everything. Okay, um, and so it's a side project in a way. Uh, at that point, I built out a a team of uh, three to four engineers, and then we hire a bunch of interns. And I made a statement to myself, and I know this is like a first world problem. Um, the, the, the statement I made to myself is I will put everything I make at live that year and my net worth will not increase. And I will put everything I make at live back into the startup. And that is the goal, the contract I made to myself. If this fails, I basically did nothing. I learned a ton, but I, I, I gained nothing, which is fine. Um, and that lasts for about a year and a half. Um, and so, uh, so yeah. Um, and you know, first world problem is that I was making a lot, um, you know, as an engineer manager. Um, but uh, I was, um, I basically take everything I made after tax into the startup. Um, and so we built a pretty large team. Um, at the time, I quit was 10, uh, 10 people already. So that's a pretty big payroll. Now, I'm very grateful that I was in that position that I can make those moves, right? A lot of people aspiring, they they don't have the type of money. And so that's fair. Uh, at the same time, you know, to give myself some credit is I'm bold enough to put that much money into, you know, bootstrapping the company. And uh, and the idea I have is if I raise money right away, I'm going to give a, a ton of equity away. I don't know if it will actually succeed, that there's a lot of pressure. So I'm just going to bootstrap and play with it using my money. It's the way that I did my single families with my own money. And should, he, should I see signals that it will succeed? Do I take on other people's money? And, you know, 
uh, now it's like I have every uh, every signal in the world that this is going to not fail. Yeah. Right. That's fantastic. That's great. Uh, and, and I appreciate your answering that. That's uh, so I liked what you said. And let me just reiterate for, for our listeners. So you went out and you built the team first. Yep. Right. So you had the vision in your mind of what you wanted to do. You wanted to create the software. And then yep. you asked the question, who do I need on my team to help me achieve that? Right. Because I know a lot of entrepreneurs, we get stuck on the how. Right. Mm -hmm. People say, well, how do I buy a, 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 a hundred unit property? How do I, you know, raise capital? How do I do this? How do I manage? How do I, how, 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 right. And they get stuck. And when they don't know how they, their kind of, their dreams kind of just disappear in front of them because they go, well, I don't know how, so what am I going to do? And I always, I, 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 I like to, on my videos and my social media and, and with my clients, I tell them, don't worry about the how. Let's change those three letters around. There's only two letters that we actually have to change, the W and the H. Yeah. If we change those around, instead of asking how, we ask who, then, then, then opportunities open up for us. Because then I don't have to know everything. I don't have to know how to do it. All I need to find is who. Who can help? Who knows how to do that? Who knows how to code? Who knows how to market? Who knows how to do this? Who knows how? I mean, I don't even know what goes into building something right. like the cash flow portal. But- Right. So it, I would have to find a software engineer, someone yeah. like yourself. Right. And yeah. then you would tell me pretty much, well, we need this and we need this and we need this and we need this. Right. And then we would yeah. fill that that puzzle up with all the pieces. So I, I, I appreciate the fact that you went out and you said, OK, who let's yeah. build the team. Right. Um, how long were you working on the vision mm -hmm. on, on, on the vision of your company before you started building your team? I think the idea was simmering for a year and a half and the concept of like, quote unquote, a one pager business plan or putting my thoughts down on paper uh, happened about three months before April of 2020. And then I, in a typical engineering fashion, April 2020 is when we wrote our first line of code because you can never really figure out when the company technically started. And, you know, like the LC was like, you know, a month later and all that uh -huh. stuff. So um, that's when we wrote our first line of code. Uh, that's when I hired the first engineer, wrote the first line of code. And then it's like, okay, something happened. So that's what I call it the April 2020. That's when Beautiful. we Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, you know, as, as, as we mentioned earlier, sometimes these shows go for 20 minutes, sometimes 45 minutes. We've been going for 15 minutes because it's so awesome. I know you've got uh, some, uh, some uh, appointments and some phone calls and interviews that you got to do um, coming up. So I won't keep you. Maybe we can have you back on the show sure. and we can talk about actual real estate, doing deals and what you look for and, and things of that nature and what you think of the market. But Perry, thank you so much for being on the show. You've, you've really added a ton of value. And I'm definitely going to look at Cashflow Portal for my business and travelers out there. I highly suggest you going. And it's cashflowportal.com. Is that right? Fantastic. Yep. That's it. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, Perry, thank you so much. Enjoy New York. Say hi to my friends out there. <laughs> <laughs> and, and travelers, we will see you next week somewhere on Spaceship Earth. Be well, travel well, and happy hunting. I'm Nitsan Mosri, your host. Thank you for watching. And of course, you can always catch our previous shows on all these different podcast channels. Until next week, I'm Nitsan Mosri. Happy hunting. We'll see you soon. Thank you.